Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee. And this is the Autosport Podcast. We're in February already, and we're now making a podcast of what we're looking forward to in 2023. We could have done this earlier, I suppose, but there's still plenty of motorsport to come this year and we're joined on the podcast today uh it doesn't happen very often our group national editor Stephen licorice is joining us thank you it's an honor to be on the podcast today and there's plenty to look forward to this year so plenty to talk about and, and kevin turner who's uh, uh written some words for the magazine recently on what you're looking forward to in 2023 uh it's gonna be a cracking year of motorsport well i do spend quite a lot of my time writing about things that have happened in the past already <laughs> so i wanted to show that i do also pay attention to or try and pay attention to what's going on now so yeah i think there's some there are some very cool things to look forward to um, this season. Where do you want to start? Well, shall I say what I wrote in the magazine? Or what I actually am looking forward to. <laughs> I mean, you can read it out if you well, want. <laughs> the, the, reason, the reason I say that is obviously what we've done is we've mm. divided it up. So everyone, can you just pick something to look forward to? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I wrote the first one. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. Already. Okay, but yeah, I, but I think, it. yeah, F, F1, I think the, the ground effects rules have worked. Yep. Uh, we've got to give a bit more time for the cost cap wind tunnel restrictions to close the field up. But I, I live in hope that Mercedes will sort themselves out and the W14 will be able to fight Red Bull this year. And then we can have a Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, George Russell fight for the championship. I know I've missed out Ferrari. I would love them to be in the championship fight. I just don't believe it. But if they're in it as well, mm. mega. It was interesting watching Mercedes last year, or Toto Wolf last year, talk about their failings. They started off very supportive. As the year went on, and by no means did he throw anyone under the bus, uh, but I, they just became more secure, I think, in talking about, look, it, obviously we're not going to win this year, so here's where we think we, we went wrong. But I don't still fully have that confidence that they they came out of the blocks and were like, oh, we screwed this up, we know how to fix it. It seems like new rule set and... It's not a dead cert. They're going to be back at the front this year. That's what we're all waiting to see, is can they do that? And they've got the people to do it. They've got the team. They've got the knowledge. You don't forget how to win in Formula One, but it's playing catch-up now. Exactly. They've got the continuity. There's no break there, which is usually some key element or personnel that you often get at the end of a 
you know, when a giant falls, if you like. We don't have that really. So I, I'm pretty confident that Mercedes will get back there, whether they'll get back there in time for this season to fight for the championship. You know, I hope so because we, we, you know, we need one. Um, as I say, Ferrari, the other options, I think it's too early for the midfield to get into a championship you know, fighting situation. Um, but, you know, I think the race, we had some good races last year. I did a, did a comparison recently of the 2021 versus 2022 races. Um, the averages actually were pretty close, but I think if you think, well, 2021 had a championship fight, which is always going to make things seem a bit cooler and you know, adds a bit of gravitas to events. I, I think we had a, a decent first season of ground effects rules. What we really needed uh, and need this year is a championship fight. The thought of having three teams genuinely competing for a title is the, perhaps the one thing F1's been missing for well decades really it, in effect have three genuinely competitive teams so it would be a real thing to look forward to if that can happen this year whether it does as Kev was alluding to it might be a step too far for it to be this season but just the fact we're even talking about it is a, a step in the right direction towards hopefully a, a more competitive and more interesting F1 year. And this is why we love this time of year, isn't it? Because things could happen. Yeah. You know, this is why this is why the F1 season preview is the best-selling issue of the magazine, as opposed to the F1 season review. In the review, we tell you what actually happened with lots of insight, but, but, but you know what's happened. Yeah. You might not know why. Whereas that hope with the preview is, oh, maybe someone else will win this year. And that's the kind of the nice bit we're in until we rock up at testing and go, oh, Red Bull's half second clear or whatever. I mean, actually, they're never that obvious about it, so it probably won't be obvious until the first race. Um, poor old um, Alex Kalanor, because I have to be crunching the numbers. He's actually in the room at the moment to try and come up with an order in testing where everyone can just say, no, oh, you got that wrong. Is that, well, you try sifting through all that data and the different fuel loads and tyres and goodness knows what else. And with just a single test, it's going to be such an interesting year to see. No, I'm still convinced that it's we're gonna it's going to be the cars roll out for qualifying at that first round and we see actually what what everyone's going to be able to do I have so much secrecy at, at the moment it's not like we're going to get a huge steer I don't think no and also we get things like Red Bull always launch these days with a car that isn't the car well they won't so yeah, that, I, they don't give anything away yeah. Mercedes last year launched with a car that also wasn't the car it wasn't the car they, they went to the first test with a car that wasn't the car which obviously backfired on them in, on this occasion so yeah you and even when you do get the cars in testing uh, you know, you can't, it's not the same until you rock up at the races. And then, of course, you can't see how it develops. You know, for the first two, three, four months of 2022, we thought we were having a championship fight between Red Bull and Ferrari, and then it all just went and disappeared. So, yeah, there's still many storylines to, to play out. And, of course, there's a generation of drivers as well, which are really exciting in Formula One. So they can't all become, well, maybe they could, they could all take turns and all become world champions. But it's going to be criminal if. Leclerc is not a world champion and Lando Norris and George Russell. That's it. And the list just goes on and on, doesn't it? And And then we're going to get to see what Piastri is like. And then we might be saying this time next year, he deserves to be world champion one day. But they got, you know, maybe they all will win a championship. Yeah. If Lewis Hamilton can win an eighth world title, a kind of bounce back from the Abu Dhabi 2021 and then the, the problematic last year at Mercedes and then retire mm. and go, right, I've got my eighth title. Goodbye, chaps. I'd love and then, to see that. And then, amazing yeah, exactly. And then, and then you can, and then I'd love to see the next few years just mixing up between, you know, Max, George, Lando, Charles. I mean, if we could arrange that, mm. uh, that would be quite good, wouldn't it? But I suspect that the Red Bull might be a bit too good for it to be quite that, uh, that mixed. But, you know. Yeah. I d- I, it would be a shame for Lewis Hamilton's career to, to peter out. So, because you know that Alonso's come off his peak, 
but it's not it's not a downhill. Like Alonso could have an amazing year this year with Aston Martin and be right back in the mix and fighting. I'd hate to see Lewis Hamilton. I don't, just think, kind of, I don't think Lewis will peter out. I'm I, it, I'm worried. I think there'll be a crossover where I think we said before where 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 George will surpass him as he's got on the way up and Lewis is on the way. I don't think he'll fall off a cliff. I think he'll stop before that happens. I hope so. There's nothing worse than sort of. Oh no, he's like fighting for 14th. Well, he's not going to go. No, oh, I'm not quite good enough for a front running team. I'm going to go and join. Yeah, Mitch. no, no, he's, it's this. You know, it's Merkel or nothing. It's going to be exactly. Yeah. So, all right, let's moving on. What, move on. What do you want to talk about next? What's next on our list? What do you fancy? Anything? What are you looking forward to this year? Well, while F1 has got a fairly sort of stable set of rules, it's all changing various other uh, elements of the international motorsport scene and I think one of the most exciting ones has to be um, Le Mans and what's happening there uh, with sports car racing entering what could be one of its greatest eras Um, who knows we shall see but just the fact that the number of different manufacturers that we've got coming in we've had the introduction of the LMDH rules with the Daytona 24 hours recently so first insight into what um what those cars are like, but then bringing them in against the, the sort of true Le Mans hypercars of um, of Toyota, of Peugeot, and then seeing what Ferrari have got up their sleeve as well. It's, it's a really exciting prospect and should finally mean there's actually a, a genuine multi-car fight for the win at Le Mans, which has been missing for <laughs> quite a few years now. It is, a, it is a new era, but also it's a new, It's kind of coming in stages. Like some of the cars we've seen already for the last couple of years, this year's going to be massive. Then future years, Lamborghini, even teams like McLaren, maybe middle of the decade, you, we could see. So, But this is a big one. This is the like big rule. The rule change, you know, uh, unless you were in sports car racing, you won't have noticed because it's like oh, it was Toyota have been winning and now it's oh it's Toyota still okay, winning. Yeah. So although we've got the hypercar rules and the LMH cars out there and have had for a couple of years, we're waiting for Ferrari, Porsche. You know, we've just had the Daytona 24 Hours. I thought it was interesting that, the, that it ended up really being a fight between Cadillac and Acura, who had Daytona prototype international cars last year. The newcomers to the party, Porsche and BMW, who we're kind of more excited about. They kind of had a bit of a mare. Like they both showed pace. I think they were all within eight tenths in qualifying. So that balance of performance is working well. The the big thing will be the balance of performance between the the LMH cars, the the bespoke cars like the Ferrari and the Toyota, and the LMDH cars, which are the off the shelf. Oh, I've got a Delara chassis and I'm putting my badging and engine and stuff in it. And getting those balance, you know, I think that's the thing I'm not looking forward to is the, uh, some people think the journalists love all the politics and the argument. I'm not really like that. I just prefer the racing and the track and what the drivers say. So there, there, so there will be some politics that go on, but it's going to be a fantastic spectacle. We're going to go from having five cars in the top class to 17 or 18, depending on a couple of factors. I mean, that we've not had that for, I mean, even in the LMP1 days, there were no customer cars. So you're looking to, you know, probably into the 90s. Um, or early 2000s when you've had that many front-running, you know, top-level cars. And it's the, it's the big names and it's the centenary. It's going to be mega. Talking of centenary, what do you think Le Mans can do this year to engage the wider motorsport fan and make it a bigger event? Well, I think some, just some of the names of the, the companies that are involved this year, just having Ferrari back, that's such a huge selling point for to to the race. And they've really got to make the most of 
having these teams on board now and really sort of tap into the sort of global fan appeal that they have and put sports car racing back on the map where as Kevin's sort of been saying over the past few years it's basically been inevitable that a Toyota was going to win Le Mans this time we don't know what's going to happen and that, that excitement has got to really be built up and sort of tapped into I think but I think the challenge actually I agree with that but I think the challenge isn't so much Le Mans I think Le Mans will be a sellout and packed and like the hotels are really difficult to book and all the rest of it uh, because we've seen from web numbers and mag sales, the interest in Le Mans was really high, even when we knew a Toyota was going to win and there was nothing there. You know, it, it, Le Mans itself, is, it's bigger than sports car racing and that's the challenge that, that, uh, you know, that WEC has got is to, is to use that interest to actually make people pay attention the rest of the year to the other rounds. It would help, I think, if they had a round in Britain. Unfortunately, they don't because I think there's a fan base here for sports car racing. Um, so that that's the challenge that they've got is to make people care about sports car racing when it's not Le Mans. But I think that they've got, as Stephen said, they've got the best opportunities. Like you've got Ferrari and Porsche. I mean, come on. That's it. If it's not going to happen now, it's not really going to happen, is it? If, if we're being honest, this is the chance to really sort of catapult yeah. it into sort of more mainstream. The, the, the only other thing you would do that could do that is if you go, right, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton have to do Le Mans. You're, yeah. not, you're not having your super licence until you sign up with an LMH or LMDH for that one weekend or for, the, or for the championship or something. That's the only way it would actually elevate it any further than the, than the names that we've just talked about. But in bringing, bringing together US and WEC in terms of, yeah, it's all nice and swapping corner names and et cetera, et cetera. But is it like that? It, that's nice. But are they doing the, do you think it's doing the right thing by bringing those, those regulations together and, and, and seeing similar cars on track? I think so. In theory, you're, you're just opening it up to more people, more interest. But as Kev has sort of touched on, it's the, the political side that goes with that, how the two compare. It's, it, it will be difficult and there will be, people won't be happy some of the teams won't be sort of satisfied with the way that's going but that's inevitable but it's just good that we're in that position finally where there, there's been agreement some common ground has has been found and we can now actually have those those sort of arguments almost about what is the right sort of comparison between the two but it's just good to be in that position where there is the volume of different cars to have that argument yeah it makes it viable for the manufacturers as well to get involved but the downside of course is that one of sports car racing's problems is it's too complicated far too there's a lot of different technical rules different driver gradings and if you're just taking a passing interest it's very easy to go I, I don't go what, what's going on and I was trying I was watching the data with my kids and trying to explain well what does the red panel mean and the green panel and like, well that's that class and like GTD the only difference is, is the drivers and a GTD beat the GTD pro cars and it's like so that should have been faster, but actually they didn't win. And you're like, right, okay. So it's quite complicated. And of course, with hypercar class, ideally you would have had one set of regulations across Europe or the World yeah. Endurance Championship and IMSA. But of course, they've had different routes there. So they've you've immediately, even when they go, you know, at the start of a new era, we've got two top classes that they're trying to balance out. So, you know, that, I don't know if sports car racing can really solve that problem of making it simplified and keep the manufacturers on board. I think we've probably got to as good a, good a point as we're, we're probably going to get. Yeah, I know we have a lot of listeners to this podcast in the US and just, you know, to remind you guys, we don't have Acura as a brand here. So we'd buy Hondas. 
but we wouldn't. That's you can't go down to a dealership and buy an Acura. So, so in terms of a marketing exercise, so you're not going to start shipping cars around the world, or what's the point of that? So. No, exactly. So for someone like uh, Porsche, mm. it's perfect because they it's both markets. It's going to sell them loads of road cars. Yeah. But with Acura, they have to go and, and Cadillac in the other direction. Yeah. But with Acura, as you say, they've got to go. Well, we need to rebrand it as a Honda to racing, and then and then that probably needs to go through various layers of bureaucracy for that to happen. So it's much easier for some manufacturer and someone like BMW, of course, they are taking both markets seriously, but they've started late, so they're concentrating on IMSA, so they'll be arriving a year later. But I mean, it's going to be lots of top quality drivers. I mean, there's some sensational driving at Daytona at the weekend, and we're only going to add to that with, uh, we haven't even mentioned Peugeot. <laughs> you know, Peugeot coming back with their wingless wonder, uh, which would be quite cool if that works, because the cars look different. You know, one of those very boring criticisms of F1 is that the cars look the same, which... Actually, I don't think they look exactly the same. If you painted them white, you could have a stab at the differences. But with the sports cars, they really are different now. <laughs> you know, the Peugeot, you paint that white, you know that that is definitely the Peugeot. Uh, and the Toyota is always the very kind of pragmatic, fairly boring-looking one. The Fry looks cool. Um, so, yeah, they, they're, very, they're very distinctive. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, that's, that's why we've spent so long talking about it. It's, it's, it should be the start of a, of a golden era, shouldn't it? What we're looking forward to in 2020, 23 two rounds of formula e are uh under the under our belts already but let's talk a little bit about that because we have a new car with a gen 3 car the uh, we've seen big names leave and others enter as well in formula e and of course a lot of the road car manufacturers whether they are doing big numbers of electric vehicles yet or not um that is the roadmap. That's where a lot of the regulation is going and, you know, EU are banning combustion and a lot of the country level they are um, as well. So there's going to be investment in this. I think that from a spectacle point of view, we were talking to Corinne Chandok recently and he's like, I'm less bothered about the spectacle and he, you know, he wants the racing. But I, I think it's always a good spectacle that they, they put on. Um, Stephen, what are your thoughts on how the Formula E started the year with these new Gen 3 cars? Well, the, the cars, I think the just the nature of them they look more it's more interesting to watch just because they don't look the speed isn't as obvious it's they look more exciting to watch there's more sort of nervousness to them they seem a bit more skittish and that really helps just sort of the overall appeal of it just to make it look that that bit more entertaining to watch and yes we've seen some of the the big um the big sort of big name teams leave but there's still quite a few in there, such as Porsche, who obviously had a, a, a sort of interesting start to the year. And it's still got that mix of new names coming in, like Maserati, for example, just having brands like that associated with it. So there's still that sort of good mix of different different car manufacturers got their names on those cars. And it's still got a, a, a strong mix of drivers as well. So that's something... And as we were sort of saying before with with um with sports cars it's another new era beginning and it'd be interesting to see how this this sort of plays out over the rest of the of the season should formula e just be a support series of formula one just now that now that the end the batteries are becoming more energy dense i quite like driver swaps back in the (laughs) first (laughs) that's quite funny to watch car swaps swaps, it'd be amazing yeah yeah you getting the one that's got a flat battery (laughs) i'm getting the new one so the car swaps. Let me try again. I quite like those, but look, as, as the technology is improving, and you can end up, you go if you wanted to go to more uh, traditional circuits, as it were. Like, is that what 
What does Formula E need to do to capture a wider attention? Because as much as it might have been difficult recently to watch it, at least here on, on live telly, I tend to use YouTube anyway for stuff like stuff like that. So what does Formula E do this year to, to, to propel itself up? Ever since it's, it's launched, a group of people just aren't interested in it because of its very nature and what it is. But it, the world of electric vehicles is only going to become more and more prevalent as as the various different government government rules come into place. So we've, it, Formula E has got to b- become more mainstream, given this is the sort of one of the key directions that the world is the world is he- heading in. And I think if it was if the sort of whole broadcast arrangement was better and there was more sort of promotion to that, it would help. But your idea of whether it should be on F1 weekends, I I think that's that's probably a step too far i don't think that's necessarily the the answer to to yeah, that problem. I, I don't you know if i want to watch a w series race i didn't immediately think oh good i can tune into sky sports f1 and it'll be somewhere on the uh, on the coverage of that it, weekend it's an interesting idea not really pondered before i mean it would have the advantage of obviously getting more eyeballs on it so that would be good i like the idea of having a mixed up support categories on the f1 bit as well like they're two well, we want a few different things on and off that bit i think the downside is you know they're still not quick so if you've just seen an F1 practice session and then the electric cars come out, I think that could undermine them a bit. Obviously, they are getting quicker. They will continue to get quicker, I'm sure. Um, you know, Gen 4, Gen 5, you know, I don't know how long it takes before they'll you know, be right up there in the power stakes. Um, so I, I quite like the idea, but it might and it might be counterproductive because we go, oh, I've, you know, you see things on, on YouTube and then people have done like use models and and you know computer games and stuff to do comparisons. And I saw one the other day. It was like, oh, Gen Three still miles off. It's like, well, yeah, but they're not trying to be as quick as F One. Like everything looks slow compared to an F One car, so it's not really very fair. So I don't know if, if that would be, and they'd be slower than they'd be slower than an F Two car. Yeah, and it just so it that might comparison is just too obvious, isn't it? Even yeah. though, of course, the drivers like one of the things I'm enjoying at the moment is Jake Dennis being out there. I think he's you know he's one of the best British drivers that we don't really talk. Well, all sport talks about, him, but in the wider world, we don't talk about. Yeah, it was nice last year to give Tom Blomqvist, who won the Daytona 24 hours, to link to our. You know, last year we gave him a bit of a, a, a big up in our national, yeah, our British competition driver of the year alongside the three F1 Brits, and I'd kind of like to see Jake in the mix as well because um, he's you know he's been a good performer at that sort of level for a long time. Um, but I think it's probably worth saying as well. The other thing that I don't know you can look forward to it, but I think we should give FE some credit for or maybe it's luck for not having the big accidents with the new braking system that we thought might happen, like. Uh, yeah, I know. With, with the <laughs> it was it was a bit of a concern, but maybe Touchwood they've they've sort of got away with it. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know what you mean by the sort of the clarity of decision making from a technical perspective of, um, oh, we think we need some emergency brakes, uh, but we're okay to go racing without them. Um, and also, I'd love to see Formula E do well in terms of being a, a halo for electrification. So I think that can that could possibly democratise motorsport. Now, like, I mean, my lad is four, but if he want, if he showed an interest in karting or progressing, that would be fabulously expensive that we couldn't uh, you know, afford when you get to a decent level. But you look at what Rob Smedley's doing with trying to get kids in electric karts and the idea that it actually it could make things cheaper if, if the costs are under control. But it's got to come from the top. I don't think, I don't think that's not a ground up. That's not a, a, a football in schools thing. That is with motorsport. It's, different. it's got to come from looking at the top and being, I want to be a Formula E driver one day, Dad. 
I think also that there's a because yeah, there are a lot of sort of uh, uh, old times, if you like. Uh, who will say, oh, I remember when you could rock up at Brands Hatch with uh, your Formula Ford on the back of a transit van and compete, and it was more... And, and they're right, but also you can't undo what's what the, pro- the progress. The reason that that doesn't happen now, one of the reasons is because somebody with a Formula Ford went, actually, it'd be really good if I had a paid mechanic to help me. And then it's like, oh, a paid engineer. Oh, the car's a bit quick. Oh, they're winning a lot. Oh, a factory team with a few mechanics and a, oh, a proper team that's set up to run the car for you. And they've got, engine, they've got a suspension expert and an engine expert. And eventually you've got these big teams and obviously those teams are expensive because you've got to pay for people. But, you, but they are, it's quicker. <laughs> so motorsport will go towards the qu- quicker thing we saw Jonathan Palmer try with Formula 2 and Formula Palmer Audi to show well if it's centrally run we can cut costs and he was correct that did do that but it was as you say it was out of line with the rest of motorsport so it didn't matter so people are like well I need to work with the team because in F1 they work with teams so I need to go and do that yep. so yeah let's talk about uh, WRC and I again another sport that if you know it and if you if you watch it you know it's absolutely brilliant and that it's just finding that coverage and I don't want to pay for a subscription to a premium service just to to get into it. They do a pretty good job on social media and having a new youngest world champion as well does does no harm. We've had one round uh, so far as of, of, of recording this. But uh, Stephen, you're looking forward to rallying uh, this year at the, the top tier of rallying? See Cali Rovenpera defend his title? Yeah, well, he's the one, the sort of new kid on the block, so to speak. He made such an impact last year on his en route to taking the title and some of his achievements at such a young age, considering how, and it's it's noticeable just how much younger he is than all of the other rally drivers over time. I mean, I think it was um, Colin McRae that he took over the, re- the record as the youngest champion from, and that just shows you how, how different he is compared to all of the other drivers that have been competing in the series recently, to come straight in at such a young age be on the pace, win a, a notoriously difficult championship to win, um, has shown his true ability. And it'll be interesting to see now how he follows up from that, whether he can continue that that momentum and challenge, who knows, the likes of the, the records that have been set before from the two Sebastians. Well, that's it. If he does well this year, then it's ominous. Yes. If he dom- <laughs> if he dom- well, if he dominates this year, it's ominous. But you've got... Decent drivers, Tanaka M Sport. If he gets, he's got the right car, and and he's up against some drivers that were doing a full campaign, not a part time campaign. That's going to be interesting. That that's the crucial for me. The crucial thing is Tanaka and M Sport. I, I don't think there's anyone else in the field that can beat Roven Perry consistently enough, except possibly Tanak. So I, it'd be great for him to effectively do a Sebastian Ogier, go to M Sport, who do a great job to keep going. Uh, as a, a, you know, okay, I know there's some sort of Ford assistance, but they're not a big factory team in the way that that Hyundai and Toyota are. And you know, OJ went there and, sh- and for me showed his class by winning the world championship with a, effectively a privateer outfit, really. And I'd love to see Tanak if he can just take the fight to Raven Pair and Toyota, that'd be mega. Um, you know that Hyundai will be there and thereabouts, they'll win some rallies. I just can't see anyone on that team that's going to win a world championship with them now. 
Um, Thierry Neuville fan, sorry about that, but I mean, he, 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 <laughs> if you look at his way, he's almost contractually obliged to finish second or third in the championship. I think, I think so, you or I called him always the bridesmaid, never the bride recently, and, and, and no Neuville fan turned up to um, on my doorstep. So I think I, we got away with that. I, I just, you know, he, he, he will do some br- brilliant rallies during the course of the season. He'll also have some drama. He'll have a few moans. He'll finish second or third. I think we need Tanak to... Uh, and maybe actually M Sport. Yeah, we know Tanak can win a world championship. M Sport's done in the past. Can they gel and get that Puma working? That's the, I guess that's the thing I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it, it's almost like what we were talking about with F1 earlier, where you need those three teams to be truly sort of competing at the front on a regular basis. And if Tanak can elevate M Sport to that level, then that'd be brilliant. And it just adds to the intrigue, doesn't it? Rather than yeah. being another series where a Toyota are yeah. walking away. Is it, is it bad that I also really like it when, maybe it's my age, when Sebastian Ojo rocks up and wins on his part-time. <laughs> yeah. I just think that's really fun. Obviously, up. Loeb did it last year and he's yeah. properly ancient now. He's, he's even older than me. <laughs> he rocks up and he, he rocks up and beats them. Okay, so Ojo should have won in Monty in 2022 20, and did win it this year. I, you know, the two Sebs are just great. I love it when they rock up and do it. Um, and uh, yeah you mm. do kind of think oh, it, the trouble is with that is it just reminds you oh, are, are we actually missing something I think we are mm. but then how long do the established megastars hang around it's the Lewis Hamilton question yeah do you want them to get beaten or do you want them to quit while they're still ahead it's uh, it's interesting but yeah we need Tanak versus Roving Pair that's what we that's what we want I think the cars are great uh, and these new um, hybrid cars I think good to watch. Still, still sound good. They're still raspy oh, ra- enough. Rallying on boards are awesome. Like that's so. the one thing that lets Formula One down a little bit. Although, and not because of the the cameras and stuff. They've done loads of great work around that and helmet cams and all the rest. Well, of the, it. Everyone's got a helmet but cam in Formula the, One this year, so yeah, we'll see so more of that. That that's all great. But this, <laughs> just the impression of speed you get with the rally. Like it looks hard. Yes. When you get an onboard of rallying, it looks like you look at that and go, oh my God, I could never do this. Yes. Because they're always on the edge uh, of a massive show. Uh, yeah, the tree, lamppost, building, spectators, car in the ditch, yeah. dog running across the road, whatever it is. F1 and, and circuit racing looks easy. Obviously, we know that it isn't at all. Mm. But the, if a, a sort of raw, oh my God moment, looking at um, some rally footage, or even if you're stood by the bank in Finland mm. and something, and it comes fly past that head height at 120 miles an hour or whatever, you think, oh my God, these guys are nutters. <laughs> yep, yeah. And I see that on, I see that comment online a lot. It's like, why, why do Formula One onboards of Senna look so scary? And well, there's lots of reasons. Because the technology's improved now, so everything's nice and stabilised. It's got little gyros and nothing's shaky. Um, the, 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 the circuits are bigger. Like, the circuit... There's perspective. The camera angles are elongated. There's lots of reasons. They do a really good job of giving it an impression of speed. And the, the Formula 1 coverage is fantastic. But the, it, the tech is so good, the cars don't look fast. Yeah. And also, the thing that... Yeah, the camera, obviously, as you say, moves around. But also, like, gear changing... And that's also another yeah, you thing. Seeing see, one hand on the wheel. You can see an arm up and down. Yeah, that's also this, a big obviously thing. with paddle shift, which of course the rally cars have as well. Yeah. But with the rally cars, it's, it's sideways. Yeah. It's, it's what you can see out through the window. Just mm. looks like... And of course, because they're sideways, yeah. if you're looking forward, they're pointing at a building or <laughs> yeah. a, a group of spectators or whatever it is. You think, I, oh my word. I think on one of the cars last year, maybe on Lando's car, they were using the pedal box cam quite a lot. That's quite cool, I really yeah. like that because that really gets across the talent involved in 
balance. And either the on-screen graphics show you what they're doing, but when you can see their feet working with their hands, I think that's a really big difference. So more of that, please. Um, let's. Oh, we're talking about Formula One, the support series. Um, uh, what do you think about uh, that, that building excitement this year? Well, it's interesting. We were talking about earlier about whether Formula E should be a yeah. support series. And actually, there's a little bit of a sort of change this year in the sense that um, F2 will be heading over to, to Melbourne uh, for the Australian Grand Prix, which is, some, which is a, a great sort of different track for the drivers to experience. Traditionally, those F2 and F3 have focused on the, the sort of European events and then some of the, the end-of-season ones. So to have them in Melbourne, a new challenge for the drivers, a very different sort of track to the majority that they'll be competing on, um, that would be really interesting to see. And also we've got F3 uh, taking to the streets of Monaco. So again, just throwing that these more challenges, more variety for these drivers and getting uh, giving them another chance to sort of sample the, the sort of variety of different tracks that they could well be be racing on if they progress all the way up to F1 in the in the coming years. Yeah. And we've seen how there's been quite a few sort of graduates from F2, F3 making it into F1 for this year. So it, it's now down to that next generation to sort of prove they're the standout star ready to, mm. to fill in the, the sort of next gap. The coverage is good. There's a really good little documentary series. They've made a few of those now on the F1 TV um, explain, you know, they follow a driver and episode and stuff. So they do the right things to promote it, I think. And, and having said that I was going to look forward mm. in this one, I, I also like... <laughs> to, you can't resist. To, to suggest that the thing... It's cool that F3's going back to Monaco because it's got the historical, mm. you know, 1964, Jackie Stewart winning the support race. Uh, you know, it's had a lot of good winners over the years, the F3 support race at the Monaco Grand Prix, so it's quite nice mm. they're going back there. And also there's some British interest as well for both categories. We've got Ollie Behrman stepping up to to Formula 2 with Prema and I'm sure they'll give him a good car and, and Zach O'Sullivan obviously won our um, Aston Martin will be RDC award uh, not last year the year before mm. um, getting a proper shot with Prema in F3 so there's some you know, some nice British interest and, and, and obviously talent from elsewhere as well so yeah I think F2 and F3 looks, looks quite looks quite interesting at this stage we might whip through some of these a little bit quicker, uh, but that doesn't mean these aren't fantastic series. Certainly for me, MotoGP is is not a blind spot, but it's something that when I see it, I love it, and I need to remind myself to watch more MotoGP. That's it's again, it's about rallying, and you know that, that it's properly on the edge of. Oh well, my you, goodness! Well, you can this see is them scary as you hell. Can see them working again. Yeah. You know, it's the being able to see the virtuosity, isn't it? It's just easier with rallying and with with the mm. bikes because they're hanging off them and they're contact is you know a postage stamp and they're doing some colossal speed and obviously they overtake because they you know take up a lot less room um yeah lewis duncan our, our moto gp man guru correspondent whatever he's actually he, he's picked out the the rise of the other marquez so not mark marquez but um he reckons uh yeah it's time for for younger brother alex to have a you know to star possibly um uh, i've not so into the MotoGP side of things, so I'm just waiting for Mark Marquez to come back to his best and nail it again. Um, again, maybe that's an age thing. I like my past masters to come back and show them all how it's done. Um, but I mean, MotoGP always provides some some great action, doesn't it? That's it. You know, you guaranteed close racing. Mm. It's just such a dramatic sort of form of the sport to to watch. And yeah, it should should be another really interesting year seeing both Marquezes how they perform whether Mark can sort of get back to the the sort of unbelievable achievements that we've seen in 
be capable of before and then see how Alex develops as well so it it should be another interesting season there too see if anyone wants to actually win the title this year (laughs) (laughs) to like put put one hand on the trophy uh, at least should we go a bit about IndyCar? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, David Mauricio Lopez has, uh, has, has picked out the... Because well, we've... We, again, it's that talking about the big three and the big two. Like in IndyCar, we talk about the big three, but really it's a two. Mm. If you look, it's now a decade since one... Since a driver outside of, of Ganassi and Penske won the Drivers' Championship. And we've been looking to Andretti, but actually um, David has picked out, you know, the McLaren operation, the Arrow McLaren operation, which has now got ex-Andretti man Alexander Rossi, XF1, if you remember that far back, although he never had the very good machinery to really show his wares there. But Felix Rosenqvist and, and Pato Award, and that's a pretty handy trio. Mm. And I'm sure they'll win races. I think McLaren will will win races. Can they beat... Can they, beat the big two to win the championship I think that's a bit of a stretch I, it's, it's, it's time Joseph Newgarden won again actually he's been a bit unfortunate recent years not to not to have taken the title he's missed out narrowly he's a, a class act we know Penske are a quality so that would be my uh, that would be my tip let's talk uh, touring cars can they relive that big battle again almost certainly touring cars is so so competitive what are you looking forward to this year well, that's the thing. When when you sort of say things you look forward to, one thing you can almost always expect is a close British Touring Car Championship title battle. And, and we had one last year. We're probably going to have one again this year. And it should be really interesting to see how that all develops over the course of the season. But what I'm personally really looking forward to is uh, a bit more variety on the British Touring Car Championship support bill. We've mm. talked about with F1 and what, what they're doing and there's a, a bit of a change this year so we've had Janetta leave the BCC bill after a, over a decade as being a sort of staple of those meetings so now there's been some space created and there's going to be a variety of different club series that are going to get the chance to sort of shine on the bigger stage we've got um, very close racing for Caterhams they're going to be at one of the rounds at Silverstone there's going to be Radicals at a couple of the events uh, the Mini 7s and Mini Midlias that we've provided some brilliant racing on a couple of guest outings in the past they're going to be at Thruxton which is a circuit that just lends lends itself to those to those cars and they're just lip streaming down into the into the club chicane um and then perhaps the one of the most exciting of of all of them is the legend series these are sort of really sort of mini sort of american style little pocket rockets and they should be provide some really really close racing and they're actually because they've got three visits on the um bcc bill this year they're creating a separate championship just for those three meetings so that for the sort of regular competitors it's mixed things up it's sort of split the season in half just having this variety of different series on the bill should be really interesting for fans it should add something different that's been missing in the last couple of years and it's certainly something i'm looking forward to the existing series the british f4 the porsche carrera cup uh, the mini challenge they should be should be really close and really strong to watch as well but it's just the, the extra variety that some of these club championships bring it, that really stands out for, it's almost for a better balance now isn't it there's yes. kind of a bit more of a club element to it and if and i think legends is a perfect fit smaller cars the better they're smaller they're cr- <laughs> they're crazy like a british touring car crowd likes overtaking a bit yeah, of door yeah, yeah. like legends will be on a different level for that because yep. the british touring cars you know that i know it's got a reputation but actually the guys at the front they're they're clean and 
you know, most of the moves are pretty sensible, but legend, <laughs> legends would be brilliant like that. But and the minis as well. But the the, the, the it's a while since I've seen the legends race, but I think that it's a really good, a really good addition. Actually, it's almost Janetta have almost done the British Touring Car package a favour by by making mm. that happen. I don't know whether it worked for Janetta. Obviously, we hope that it will. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to some of those as well. Being respectful to obviously people who are at the beginning of their career or just improving their, their driving skills. There is a, with things like legends, a bigger spread of talent over the grid. So when you get a mixed up grid, then you can't help but see some great racing and some great overtakes. That's it. And legends traditionally have, uh, adopts this format where the grid is just picked out of a, a hat anyway. So you've always got the, the sort of nature of fast drivers trying to fight their way through the pack. And that just adds to the further to the excitement. And those those races should really be something special to watch. You know, Janetta Jr. was probably outside of BTC the most popular. I think that's what the fans came back. They went and got their burger and something else and they come back and watch the Janetta Jr. race because it was always really close. Mm for those very reasons and I think that they, they've kind of doubled their money there haven't they they've gone right we've not got the Janetta Junior guys and girls but we've got minis and legends like there's no way they're going to have boring races with those and the minis as well give people that impression of well I, I could have a go at that you probably couldn't in fairness I think that sometimes watching stuff like that I think, oh I'd love to get some proper coaching and, and give it a go I'd be terrible who am I kidding yeah but minis are accessible and you could give it a go you just wouldn't win you just wouldn't like, be yeah. terrible because yeah. uh, in almost every club championship and there are I don't know what the last count was Stephen <laughs> we must be up to about 250 by now um, but the people at the front know what they're doing yeah they're good right, drivers it's not easy to win yeah no, definitely. And there's some real quality among that, that mini field. We've had people like past touring car champion Andrew Jordan competing in that series. And the, 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 the fight at the front of that is seriously competitive, but it's affordable enough that further down, in, particularly in the sort of Mini 7S class, which is a more, more sort of slightly more basic machine, that it is a sort of realistic series for people to get involved with who are sort of just sort of starting out on that that motorsport journey so go and get your race license martin <laughs> I know, do that. so tempting to say to my wife I've, I've never played golf i've never had an expensive hobby i don't smoke let's go let me spend some money on motorsport yeah. you know she'd still say no but and this is a good segue in as well because if we had another all sport driver you yes. could compete in in the All Sport Three Hours. Looking which forward to we this. Are bringing back. Mm. Which first ran in 1957, I think, and has been won by such people as Jim Clark. Mm. It stopped after 1964. This makes me feel old because I was around for the resurrection in 2007 when the Historic Sports Car Club came and said, Can we do this again? And we're like, Yeah, okay. So we got it up and running. Um, uh, and then it went away again. And now it's coming back for 2023. It's in April, I think, isn't it? Yes, so 23rd of April. Yeah, 23rd of April. It's for pre-1966 GT cars. So yep. uh, that would have so the sorts of cars that would have been in, in the event back in the day. At Snetterton on the 200 circuit, which is the most similar to the old Snetterton layout. Um, and yeah, and it should be it should be good fun. Um, the Historic Sports Car Club are putting it together, but they actually opened it up to cars and competitors from other clubs. It's not meant to be an HSCC thing. It's meant to be bigger than that. It's to attract lots of clubs together and just have a really cool get together of mm. of you know sixties sixties GT cars really. So 
that will be one of my first meetings of the year. I'll be going. Really? To, I think I shall go along to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been driving past Netson a fair bit uh, lately. I can point out there's a new Greg's and McDonald's on the main road. Uh, Other chains are available. (laughs) Uh, Since last time I drove past, brand new service station uh, for all of your um, pasty incubator needs. Uh, But what a great circuit. And and lots of people think it's difficult to get to, but it actually isn't. They've improved the roads a lot over the years. It's quite a... You know, quite a Once fast you're off the motorway, it's, it's duly all the way. It's, and it's, it's fine. It's it used fine. to be that the road got so, smaller, smaller. Uh, yeah, smaller. exactly. And it's like, not like that now. I mean, it's, I am slightly concerned about the weather in April. It's Netherton. Yeah. It might be a tad cold, but uh, I'm going to give it a going to give it a try. Now we've got plenty we could talk about, but what is something you want to highlight, um, Stephen? On the well, that's, uh, the rest. That's the the. the beauty of national motorsport really is the, so is the breadth of it yeah. and there's so much to look forward to in, in the UK this year uh, but one of the sort of new events that's been introduced is a uh, event at Brands Hatch called Super Touring Power Festival which is a, a celebration of one of the BCC's most sort of popular eras the super, tour, super touring era of the 1990s and there will be races for these super tour cars um, they a, a sort of dedicated series was reintroduced for them last year, which didn't have the sort of strongest numbers. But having an, a sort of a, a premier event like this should really help attract more of the more of these cars to come out and, and join the grid. But it's not just about super touring. There will be a, a wide range of touring cars, right from the sort of very beginnings of the BCCs, BTCC in in the nineteen sixties right all the way up to um, some of the the S2000 cars, which are also eligible for the Super Super Tourist Series. So it should be a really great event. Some of the past stars from the Super Touring era might be racing, Mm. might be there attending. And it's just, it's another example of these sort of themed events that Brands Hatch and it's the circuit operator MSV have putting on just to try and gather more interest from spectators and the, the sort of general public. In our recent magazine feature on this, we also mentioned uh, hill climbing, the Clio Sport Championship, GB3 title battle, uh, Mazda MX-5 Super Cup. I fancy it going that as well. Oh, get, oh got to get your license. I, I, I do feel we should mention Goodwood as well. Goodwood 25th revival. Uh, so it's the 20, 25th anniversary and the 25th because they missed one, so they've got it in line, which is lovely. <laughs> Brilliant. Because I got a bit fed up with people celebrating their anniversary at the wrong time. <laughs> so this one matches completely. So it's the 75th anniversary since it was opened the first time. 25th anniversary of the first revival in 1998, which I went to. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's just a fantastic place to watch racing. Um, I try and put put either the members meeting or the revival or both into my diary quite early. Um, and the Silverstone Classic, which is now going to be called the Silverstone Festival, because obviously that's not confusing because we've got a Goodwood Festival. Thanks very much for that. Uh, that will that'll be mega as well. Uh, and if so, you want to, yeah, because we are recording this podcast at Silverstone, if you want to come here, really interesting, a variety of things on track, but bring the family. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. For the, they really have made that event. Well, they no, called it, call it the festival, and it, and it really is a festival. It's now, enormous, so. yeah. And of course, yeah, Silverstone yeah. is also 75 this year. So yes. lots of lots of anniversaries. So I'm not quite sure how I'm going to fit all these anniversaries into the pages of the magazine on the website, but we'll we'll give it a try. We'll find that. But the, certainly to go back to you know to revival, I highly re- recommend. Uh, it's that and and do do the dress up. Go go full for it, and you'll you will absolutely love. I, I might even take the family this year. Yeah, time has come. It's a great get, event. get them dressed up. 
take some friends. Really yeah. friendly event, and um, yeah. What are you, are you looking forward to? Will you get to any things like uh, the Goodwood or the Revival, Stephen? Might not be able to make those exact meetings, but I want to try and have a sort of wider range of club meetings on my sort of calendar this mm. year. And one of my favourites I went to last year was the Mini Festival at Brands Hatch, which is some, just some great racing from a whole range of different different minis. Um, and that's the, the beauty of UK Motorsport, Club Motorsport. There's just something for everyone, mm. um, whether it's circuit racing, whether it's hill climbing, which you briefly mentioned, whether it's drag racing, rally cross, rallying. There's just so many different disciplines out there and so many different events that are right on our doorstep and you don't have to pay huge amounts to, to go and watch. Yeah, club racing sort of a bit of an undiscovered gem, really, for a lot of motorsport fans, I think, uh, for all those reasons, Stephen. Stephen's goals. I feel like because Stefan Mackley isn't here, <laughs> I feel like I should step in and mention that the Formula Ford Festival and the Waltase Trophy at Silverstone in October and November, respectively, will probably be mega. They normally are. I know they had a bit of a... They had some problems last year with the festival and the way it finished, but by and large, those Formula Ford events where they get all the, the top Formula Fordsters together is usually usually worth watching as well. All right, thank you very much for that. That is our look forward to 2023 and covering just some of the stuff that uh, the team here are really looking forward to. You can check that out in the 2nd of Feb issue of Autosport magazine. I'm sure it'll be online at some point as well. Thank you very much for listening today. Hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.